is Walter. And Hello, Walter. His other brother, Walter, and their brother, Red Walter, and their oh. cousin, Black Walter. Uh-huh. Uh, also, their uh, niece, Walter. And correct me if I'm wrong, there's also. Oh, yeah, Tall Walter in the back there. <laughs> you can see Tall Walter. Welcome to Game of Owns, everybody. Our family trees are yours to see. We're a podcast. We are yes, a podcast. Are. And sometimes we balance up and down on logs and try and fit the words like mayhaps into sentences. Wonderful jokes beginning this episode today. As you guys can tell, we are on Brand's first chapter of A Clash of Kings. Have you guys ever had to balance on a log? Have you tried this balancing yes. on a yeah, log? Yeah, of in, course. In, in, all the time. Water? I was doing that earlier yeah. today. <laughs> yeah. I was doing it today, too, as well. I am jealous because as many times as I've been to, to Boy Scout camp, and I have, I was I was a scout you're, for a dude, while. You're, I can't say you I've dressed ever, up as Robin Hood. How the hell have you not balanced on a log? Had the yeah, luxury of balancing on a log. I'm just telling you. Well, you know that was I, I did a photo thing at uh, it was at a forest preserve, but uh, the the river was was frozen at the time. It was it was oh. a cold day in fall, so I couldn't do it. But uh, oh. yeah, you know, I I just feel like these children. This is going to be the best days of their lives when they're running around. Oh. Sorry, I had to do that. Was that just talking to the wolves. My bad. <laughs> okay, Bran. Jeez, breaking out with the the wolves there. You know when you when when it's when it's night, Zach, and you close mm-hmm. your eyes, and uh, there's there's nobody else in the room. Can can you hear that that where they are? Can you smell your brother? Uh, I cannot. That is, no. <laughs> but Bran no. can. Bran can. And whatever that thing is that Bran is when he's in his dreams also can smell his brother. Well, I think it's fairly obvious what he is. Yeah, we know about Bran's future. An elephant. You've seen the show. He's definitely (laughs) an an elephant. elephant. But that wouldn't work for our sigils because it would be winter ew. (laughs) What? (laughs) It would be winter trunk. Oh, man. (laughs) Koo is camel. Boo is bear. And ew is elephant. Winter trunk. Winter trunk. There we go. The trunk of winter. Oh, gosh. Winteriscoming.net. Well, win- they yes. present our show. Yes. Winterfell is the setting for this chapter. It's so refreshing to be here after seeing it burned down uh, all throughout season three. Um, it is really warning. nice. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, I, I think it's 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 a little great bit of a chapter here spent talking about Winterfell. Bran, of course, is this is this you know this chapter. Correct me if I'm off base, Zach, but this felt a lot like Rear Window to me. He's sitting by the window, kind of looking out and and just witnessing the lives of other people, and especially the wolves. Yeah, and, and we got to have another great look at the comet, and it's still circling. The planet. See what comets do, guys. They operate on the same sort of gravitational pull that planets do. You see the the star. I, I'm not, I'm not going to go into it. Never mind. I once rode a horse named Comet. Did you? Did. Well, there's a comet in the sky, and it has many names. Strangely enough, though, this comet, even in this chapter, which I thought we might see a different point of view, because that's kind of been the trend in these beginning chapters. Everyone kind of has their own thought. Again, this comet brings blood and fire to these people coming Mm. from Asha's point of view. Yes. Coming from Asha. Nan says it's dragons and she can apparently old Nan can smell the comet. Quite a schnoz. Yeah. She must be Jewish. Um, I can say that I'm Jewish. So before we get all these emails, let's uh, hold back all the, uh, the crazy emails that we're going to get for that. But Eric, you touched on this at the top of the show and, I was wondering if it, if it was almost 
foreshadowing is the wrong word to use, but you know, when you have this game that's being played between the Freys and the Starks, and Rickon, you know, gets knocked off into the water, and then all of a sudden, here comes his direwolf, Shaggy Dog, and attacks one of the Walders, right? <laughs> and again, like I'm I'm not getting the right literary device here, but you know, we, we have, you know, back in book one where Catalan and Rob need Walder Frey in order to get across through the twins and eventually capture Jamie, right? You know, so there's a little bit of that there, but then also thinking ahead to what we saw in season three, the fact that you have a Frey defeating a Stark, I just, maybe I'm reading more into it than there's actually no, I, there. I, well, the, the thing of it is, is, is that um, it's, it's kind of a, I don't want to say a metaphor, it is, but Basically, the Freys have developed this game that all their children, their surplus children and grandchildren all play called Lord of the Crossing, I believe. Isn't that the title of it? But it's basically like a circle jerk because they're playing this game in which um, they're the masters of the universe and are controlling a strategic place like a crossing. And they play it amongst themselves all the time, and occasionally when they're visiting guests, they play it with them. Um, but I, I was just blown away because it's it's like not only are they – there are so many Walders, even girls named Walder, um, that they have to tell them you know apart somehow, big, big Walder, little Walder, all that stuff. But they all play this game, and it, to me, it, it just – seeing this, reading this now, I had no idea that that was happening you know, way back in, in, in book two and season two. And so clearly this is where it starts building up for the Red Wedding, for Walder Frey's role in, uh, you know, events in, in this series. It's, it's clearly, I think it starts right here. It was a really nice way to illustrate this in the books on the count of George, because we've got them standing on this log. They've got the sword. They're, they're trying to think of strategic ways as the game is to unseat this person from the log in order to let them cross. So they're trying to trick them with fancy words, which is what people do, I'm assuming, all the time to Walder. And by Walder, I mean the Walder, mm-hmm. not the twins, who we know and love and abhor and distaste. Catelyn created the bond that allowed these children to be housed and fostered in Winterfell. So they're there interacting with the kids. Brandon's in his room. He can't interact with them, obviously, because of his injuries. But Rickon's out doing his thing. And I think Brand's jealousy of the activity they're able to do has a lot to do with sort of the negative implication we have on these guys. Yeah, agreed. But it's really fun to take a, a step back and change the pace a little bit in the book. It's another one of the great reasons why these books are so nice, because... You know, we do have the multi-perspective and we we just switched off from Tyrion and he was in a whorehouse. You know, he, <laughs> he was in a house of whores. Now we're in Bran's bed chambers and learning about his sadness and learning about his dreams. And we're learning about the ga- these games these children play. But at the same time, the implications of what they're doing, um, I can only imagine reading this for the first time and then going ahead and learning what happens at the Red Wedding without having been spoiled by the TV show, what the thought back to a scene like this would have been. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and what you get from the book, obviously, is the greater detail. And and you pointed that out. You know, it, it's kind of something that's just mentioned in passing that, you know, several of of Walter Frey's sons or grandsons, who, who the hell knows, it's it's – you know, that dynamic that you don't always get because in the show you have to move 
as quickly as possible because you only have a certain amount of time. Whereas in the books, you're actually seeing Little Walder and Big Walder go to Winterfell, becoming wards and and living with the Starks. And you know, that's just that extra detail, that extra information that is is really cool to to read about. Uh, you know, I will say too that this experience with you know fostering the Walders is put up against Bran's coming to as what we know he's he's becoming a future Warg. And and this is this is the other thing that delighted me so very much about reading this chapter. So early on in book two, we're getting all of this information and it happens differently. We don't have um Jojen Reed coming up to Bran and saying, You're a wizard, Bran. Um, like he did in the series. This is Bran having these dreams. He's essentially being plagued by these dreams. Sometimes he's a wolf. Other times a, a tree is calling to him. He he dreams of Trini. Treening? Treening. I got it, Eric. I, I thought <laughs> Sam was the wizard in the series, not well, I, I think it, it, works, it works both ways. Jojen basically just walks up and tells him he has these powers. In the books- Well, you'll see Jojen- Bran, Later on in this book, so get I ready. believe that, but but I'm saying right now, for right now, we have Bran alone <laughs> in a room. He can't move, but he sometimes feels like the wolves are howling inside his head. That they're not way over in the gods would, you know. He sometimes feels like they're up in the curtains, that they're in his head, and sometimes he sees through them. Sometimes they may see through him. It's just he's being plagued by this supernatural connection to these wolves throughout the whole chapter. And he's basically realizing himself uh, that he can communicate with them. That's why he begins howling, um, which causes a ruckus. Maester Lewin doesn't see the implications of this. No. I think he's so set in his ways. He doesn't necessarily understand what Bran is going through exactly. If it weren't for Bran's injury... I think if this were still happening, he would think about it slightly more. But with Bran being injured, and I guess in his mind, a tad sickly, mm -hmm. uh, he's going to shrug off most of what he's saying when it comes to these sort of unbelievable things under the pretense that, oh, he's he's lame now and a lot of different things are going on inside of his head that makes him different from other young boys. So I'm going to maybe not listen to this or take it exactly 100% seriously. Whereas on the flip side, Asha listens to all of it and she takes it very seriously. It's like competing perspectives almost, right? Like you mentioned that Maester Lewin is set in his ways. What I think is an interesting question that popped into my head during reading this is, you know, Bran had his fall and he was he was pretty uncontrollable when it came to climbing. You know, mom always said don't climb and he would always climb. I really wonder if he would have uh, honed or ever been able to really control, like w control or work on this warging situation if he still had the use of his legs or if being trapped in this room, he called it his cell, really caused his mind, his body to reach out, his spirit to want more. Is he a warg because it's like in his blood? Was he always going to be able to do this? Or is this something that happened because he fell? George paints such a, a, a harsh message throughout this entire story, and that is, don't let yourself be distracted by things that don't really matter. And we see characters fall when they think too much about romance, and the list goes on. Money, the list goes on. You know, it, yeah. it's it, it's a very powerful theme within the show. So with, with Bran losing most of his ability to move, that I, th I think that... The message is clear here and saying that it's opening up 
a lot more of his senses to other things. So being in the bloodline of the Starks and being in the bloodline of quite possibly the children of the forest, um, <laughs> you know, strange things can happen. They can happen. <laughs> you just mentioned the children of the forest. That's what Lewin was talking about with Bran. And I think Rickon was there right before the wolves started howling. Um, but it's interesting because Bran attributes a sort of uh, supernatural air to, th- to them as well, because that was when they found out that Ned died. That the wolves started howling. So they, he says like they knew too, or they knew already or something like that. So it's just so interesting how these wolves behave. I love the idea that they're just these savage beasts or presumably savage beasts that are really like spiritual companions for these kids. Yeah, and Osha alludes to that within this chapter. You know, she she makes a crack about Lewin saying, listen, he's got his mind, but these wolves know a thing or two. You know, like they're they're still thinking on a level that he hasn't in a long time or maybe never has. Yeah. And that these animals sense something different than what's just in front of you. And, you know, you see it within stories throughout liter- literature and, and throughout film and et cetera, et cetera. These characters who shrug off. Oh, that can't be true. That You know, it, call, it always comes back to bite them in the ass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think Master Lewin or Meister Lewin really fails Bran in this in this chapter. I mean, you, the argument can definitely be made because he is not – like you said before, okay, he attributes Bran's um, discomfort and his rambunctiousness and his his dreams of the wolves to being to to his feeling of being trapped because of his injury. He doesn't, for a moment, think that it could actually be something that Bran is actually actually experiencing. And you know, really, that's why we have somebody like Asha. It needs to be done because Bran needs that encouragement. Um, you know, and 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 really, although you could argue that. Meister Lewin helps Bran by giving him that that draft, that drought, you know, at the end of it all, which allows Bran to go even deeper into his dreams. So there's that. But for the most part, Meister Lewin, I expected more out of you, sir. Well, I mean, what else did you expect him to say? You know, like, what is he supposed to believe? This is a, after all, it is a child and he's saying some pretty outlandish things. Being a man of science, I guess it is, it is hard to see that, but the, this guy's known these children. I, I think it it sh- he should kind of give Bran the benefit of the doubt um, at this point when he says he's seeing things. You have to remember what Bran has been through, though. You know, he he fell, and you don't know what other damage was done to him aside from just you know being crippled in the sense that he is right. You don't know if maybe something happened um, in his he- to his head, like and and maybe th- from a scientific perspective, that's what Maester Lewin is is looking at and saying, well. You know, now look at everything that that's going on around here. We got wolves howling nonstop. You know, Bran is acting like he's a wolf. You know, who knows? Like, I just feel like to expect more out of him. I, I still think that that Lewin has his best interests at heart. Oh, absolutely. There's no question about that. At the yeah. end of the day, Maester Lewin is Maester Lewin to these to these kids, and uh, he's a great character, and I love his character. But I mean, he suffers the fate of of many people in his position when it comes to stories. You know, he he's playing the role of the overseer that doesn't quite believe what all children have to say. You know, sometimes it's really outlandish, and I hate to bring up Potter, but I mean, this happens countless times. Within that story, you know, like, oh, the third floor corridor has something crazy. Like, oh, sure. Sure it does. You know, <laughs> oh, but blah, blah, blah. Oh, sure. You know, it, it happens constantly. And this is just right. the same thing happening here. Brands having and, and it's not necessarily visions, uh, 
while he's awake. These are these are dreams, but they're very particular dreams. Mm-hmm. And Bran knows the difference between just the dream and the very realistic things he's experiencing. Um, Maester Lewin doesn't, but on the other hand, Osha does. She's from the North, the Great North. I would just add that I, I think it all kind of ties in at the end, right? Where he's having this dream as summer, which I think is pretty clear, or at least we can interpret it to be that. And I think it so accurately parallels what the situation is that both he and Rickon are in, right? The dire wolves, both summer and his brother, Shaggy Dog are kind of traipsing about trying to find a way out of Winterfell because they know that what's out there is 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 more important and it's what their destiny is what's meant to be and i think it's the same thing for bran and rickon they feel as if they're captive right they feel like they can't go anywhere else especially bran mm-hmm. and i thought that was a kind of a neat way to to tie up the chapter at the end there yeah and i mean the mention of just these two direwolves they, they used to be a pack of six you know john's went away um Arya's is who knows where sansa's is dead you know, it really brings it back to that, just the, the, the feeling of these beasts and how they need each other, just like the Stark siblings need each other. But I really want to see the direwolves get together. Like, if they let those direwolves go, will they just go meet up and then be a team of, like, six awesome direwolves? Um, or five, like the Power Rangers, but direwolves. <laughs> yeah, and they'll morph and it'll be wonderful. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. But, like, these direwolves has so much more potential, I think, than they're being given. So I'm looking forward to the day when they take an active role. And maybe they will single-handedly defeat uh, one of the kings. There was one thing, and we touched on a little bit earlier, that I wanted to bring up because I feel like it's it is really important to events that transpired later on in the series. But the the fact that Bran felt so confident in the fact that trees dream, and that mm. there was <laughs> there was one like a werewood that called to him specifically. And, you know, there's a lot of um, focus on that in this chapter. And I was just wondering, you know, what do you guys think th- that means? Because, you know, we see him, we know he's a warg, right? We know that he he gets inside of Summer. We see him get inside of Hodor even uh, in season three and on HBO. What do you think that means? Because Summer and Hodor are, for all intents and purposes, alive right they're living actual physical beings whereas and kin kin you're saying hodor is related to summer i'm I'm (laughs) saying in general they're in they're in the family circle okay Um, yeah close if if you want it's not just it's not a a random dire wolf at the bottom of the continent you know that's being warged into and and i know okay trees are living right they're they're technically they're they're, yeah. they're living. So I can't I can't really make the argument that a werewood tree is is sort of an inanimate object, right? Because it is no no it all. is living, it is breathing. Even though they say that these trees are dead in a way, right? That they they're weeping. They don't have the same the sort of life that they did previously. Well, I mean, I think that goes into the backstory of the children of the forest who carved faces on these trees and and the spirits that were said to reside within the trees the trees are alive the trees are probably still alive but as to whether or not those spirits exist in those trees is something else entirely but if bran is able to connect to other people or other creatures and say hypothetically that's by way of their spirit by entering their spirit then i think it's possible that the trees are calling to him the the other way i look at this is that 
the old gods are presumably responsible for giving Bran this power. If in fact there are active gods other than the red god, um, then you know they gave Bran this power to warg. So the fact that they're communicating with him or trying to communicate with him, maybe they're helping to instruct him, some, something like that, where he's trying to make sense of his his calling. And these old gods that have given him this power, or were, or still do, you know, reside in these trees. It's hard to say because when you speculate. Things attached to gods and goddesses and the supernatural and the unknown, especially in a story like this where so much of the time it seems so black and white, so straight and narrow. It's this family versus this family in a field of combat, swords and shields. Let's see what happens. But at the end of the day, there's so much more when it comes to it. It is really hard to speculate and really hard to judge because this could be folly. This could be totally false. This could be something that Bran is actually, in fact, just dreaming. But on the other hand, this could just be a part of his powers that we don't really know about yet. It's interesting to say, oh, the old gods are helping control everything because, I mean, that would be by definition part of what they do. Oh, man, what a headache thinking about all of that. <laughs> you <laughs> well, know what I, I mean? I mean, I think, though, the old gods to me, and this is just coming from this chapter, really, seem muted. They're only, a, at the end of the day, they're only really communicating with a cripple in a room in Winterfell, one of the only few places where those gods are still believed in and worshipped at all. Um, and it's it happens to be at the tip of Westeros, so close to the other side of the wall, where all this magic stuff is, 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 is occurring. So, to me, the old gods are all but extinct. If gods can have varying levels of immortality, then they are, I think they're weak. I wouldn't go so far as to say, like, the old gods are controlling a whole bunch of other people that they're coming, like they're building armies of warriors, you know, out of all these other civilians. Um, but I, I, I do think that Bran and because he's in the story and somebody else isn't in the story, I think that, you know, he's probably one of the only ones who's getting this kind of communication, which isolates him even further because he's, he's very, he's going to be hard pressed to find others that know what it is he's doing can adequately help him hone that, which is why the reads I presume come in. Um, you know, to play to, to 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 help him him on that way, but I think the old gods probably choose who they talk to very carefully. <laughs> There's a vetting process. There's a vetting process. Okay. It's so interesting when you start. I mean, when these conversations pop up, because then you can open up the entire flow of conversation like what makes a god is a god a being that's heightened intelligence and heightened power that the groundlings just don't understand like the list goes on of different ways it can be interpreted right and it's interesting to me because that has a lot to do with how i feel about the red god i'm trying to flesh out and figure out what this entity is within the story what george means to do with all of these magical supernatural things and that's interesting and, and it's cool and i Although I believe when it becomes geographically specific, like the North has lots of things stirring, it leads me to believe that it's less supernatural and more magical. But you could see why Maester Lewin would be concerned. I mean, he's talking about dreams and wolves and trees, and this is a kid that's relatively young. I mean, wouldn't you be concerned if you're if the kid that you were caring for was running around howling like a wolf and Telling you all these stories. I'd be more concerned if he was despondent and like kind of like coma like, like he woke up and is so dreary. You know, at least now he's having some fun, 
or he has he's displaying some energy. I think that's why Meister Lewin is 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 content to let it sit after he tries to quiet Brad. Maester Lewin isn't approaching Bran's problems thinking, are the gods playing with Bran? Do they have something to do with this? That's just not on the top of his head. Yeah. Well, Big Walder is actually smaller than Little Walder, which is strange. He's <laughs> older, though, by 52 days. 52 days. And that's how he got the name. He's Big Walder. He's the older one. What What I really like about how this book has sort of begun is that you, know, it, it's almost like we went to a completely different land when we started off the series and or sorry when we started off this book and we were on Dragonstone right and now it's like we're back into the flow of things you know we're back with characters that we know we're back with characters that we can relate to and whose stories we experience in a game of thrones right you know it with with Arya and Sansa and Tyrion and Bran it it just feels like the prologue was was just so out of place, at least up until this point. I think there's something supposed to be slightly off about it. Um, you know, I mean, we started the prologue, like you said, somewhere else. And it still feels like, because there's this outside factor of this comet that was introduced in the prologue, but now it's still affecting people over in Westeros, it just seems like an outside force is is pulling at our characters, our heroes, and changing them. It certainly feels like we're moving Towards something very quickly. And there's the comet, like you mentioned, that unifying factor again that we see, you know, in this brand chapter, Maester Lewin, Old Nan, all these people talking about it. It's this this hovering entity that exists over Westeros right now. And I mean, the the thing of it is, is so far we've had different characters to, to get their perspective on this whole time, every chapter a different character. Next chapter is the first chapter that we have a repeat character, and it is Arya. Um, so already we're getting into the repeats. Um, but I, I think up until this point and ending with Bran, you know, we're having to take in kind of a different different ideas with, with, with each you know, different set of ideas with each pe- person that we're reading, um, you know, with Bran is is the hardest to kind of swallow because it's so supernatural. So just like in the prologue with uh, Melisandre and, uh, you know, the Red God possibly intervening <laughs> in the events there, now we have these direwolves and whether or not Bran can talk to them. But I think it's brilliant. I think it's it's really cool that we have to ask ourselves these questions. What do we believe is happening? You know, but really it's, it's, it's hard to even ask that because we're seeing it from Bran's perspective. We know he is in fact having these dreams. We know he's not just making shit up. Well, it's one day after hump day due to dangerous people in our lives, correct, gentlemen? Yes. And there was a lot of speculation. Should we reveal who our captors were or, uh, do we want them to remain nameless in case, uh, they, they, we interact with them and, and need them as a scapegoat <laughs> next time? Let's leave it to their imagination. Yes. It's about that time in the show where we give our owns and source your owns for this chapter on Bran. 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 Brones. That doesn't work. Micah, do you have an own for Bran? (laughs) Do I? That was my my question. Do you? Perhaps. I would have to give my own of this, this chapter to Bran. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> for just howling like a wolf yeah. that's what's my own, <laughs> that's my own. <laughs> oh wow you see that we all the three of us have the same own this, this episode never this has never this happened before by the way 
<laughs> That's what he said. No, I don't so know. who who wants to who wants to go justify it then? Let's just all talk at the same time yeah, and see who they all listen to. Ah. All right, ready on the count of three. We'll give our reasons. One, two, three. Brand. Well, I thought the hell well, was pretty Darling Yeah, Brand. it was cool that he just paid he no just attention to Mace Lewin and he just Anybody went ahead and howled like a maniac. Okay, this is more care. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, we'll all go separately. Brand. Don't let anybody, not even wise and old Meister Lewin, tell you that you cannot talk to wolves. Wise and Meister Lewin. Do it, man. Just keep howling. Keep on howling. I love howling, especially when I'm hanging out at a friend's house who's got a basset hound. Sometimes I just throw it out. Oh! And the, the basset hound howls along with me. And yeah. I really like it. And I thought it was really funny in this chapter because... I mean, he's hanging out of a window. He's got some really great strategically placed iron bars that they had installed in his bedroom to yes, kind of walk himself sweet. over. Yeah, that's really cool. So he's sitting at the window and he's looking out over the beautiful keep of Winterfell and he wants to howl along with his wolf. I think it's great. So Bran, keep acting like a child because even though you're in charge of Winterfell, you're still a little kid, buddy. Yeah. Just the fact that uh, he's a kid and he is acting like a kid and given everything that's happened to him recently, it was nice to see him act like a kid, even though we talked earlier in the episode about the fact that, you know, maybe Maester Lewin thought he was going a little nutty Mm. because he can talk to wolves and dream of being inside wolves and wondering whether or not trees really dream. But hey, look, how old is he at the end of the day? He's eight. Yeah. I mean, come on. You know, we we don't we don't make it seem like kids are crazy at this day and age when they're 8 years old and they're running around and who knows what the hell they're saying. <laughs> it's true. I still act that way. Mike Tenenbaum yeah. is out of touch with the youths of America. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> can we make a rule, guys, or just sort of a guideline going forward that we not give the own of the chapter to the point of view person? No, character? that's not fair. <laughs> can, can't but, do but, that. No, but no, I think that I think that really might be fair. I think Moving forward, we can still keep the own now because we all had the same one, but it might prevent that in the future. <laughs> well, why don't you do that, Eric? I'll yeah. stick to just giving oh, the own okay, to whoever okay. kicks the most ass, right? All right, all right, all right. Well, at one time I was responsible, I felt, for coming up with some of the most obscure owns uh, that, that existed. Uh, so, mm. Eric, I now pass that on to you. Uh, since you don't want That's a big to, torch uh, to hold, Eric. Well, I already, I guess I went out of the box last week by giving it to the nicely named characters, right? <laughs> that is a little weird. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to try not to give my owns in the future. Mine's still with Bran this chapter, um, to the point of view character, just cause, yeah. But Bran did own it. I mean, Bran did own it. Bran did own it. We got a few from Twitter. What about Andy? a donut? He's on <laughs> Andy's on Twitter. Um, Andy, I want to read your username, so I'm going to give it a go. Here we go. Andro Squirrel. Android Squirrel. Android Squirrel. Oh, that's cool. He says, Lord of the Crossing owns everyone who doesn't say mayhaps. Cat and Rob should have known that. That's true, guys. <laughs> oh. There's your tie-in between this chapter and the uh, Red Wedding. Andy brought um, it home. Andy, Andy you brought, brought it, home. it home. How's your talking toys? <laughs> <laughs> How's Buzz? Woody. Yeah. Well, no, we don't <laughs> care about Woody. How's Buzz? <laughs> <laughs> Buzz is awesome, huh? I heard he can fly. And uh, speaking of owns, we have one here from Pluisa. Hopefully, Pluisa. I am saying that correctly. If not, I apologize. And uh, she says... B owns anyone who tries to stop his howling by out-howling them. 
and I have yeah. to defer to Zach here. I, I don't know if I could do it. I already did it a few times on this episode, but let me just tell everyone that's listening. She spelled it amazingly. I finally know how a howl is, is written, and that's A with what looks to be 11 U's. So good on you, Pluisa, if that's your real name. It may or may not be. <laughs> All right. Well, here's an email from a Mr. Dylan Manwoody, a regular submitter and close to our hearts because of this fact. He says, my own goes to Shaggy Dog for taking a bite out of Little Walder. Foreshadowing, do you think? I added that last part. I don't know if it is. Do you? I just think that direwolves don't like phrase in general. It's five shadowing is what it is because it's beforehand. Oh, that would be three. It's shadowing. five shadowing. Yeah. Um, it's, or three. What? I'm uh-huh. getting confused. Yeah. It's too much math. But I, I just think more so what it is, is that these direwolves are very much connected to the Stark children. They're very protective of them. We saw it. Uh, what happened with Nymeria and Joffrey. Now we're seeing it again with Shaggy Dog. And they've said time and time again, Shaggy Dog is a little bit more... Rambunctious. Um, yeah, he's a little bit more uh, aggressive than Wild. some of the other direwolves are. So yeah, not unexpected there, but a good own nonetheless. Nonetheless. And uh, one final email here from David Poe, who writes in to say, my own for this chapter goes to Rickon. <laughs> for laughing while the Walders shrieked and the waters of the stream ran red with fray blood. Oh, wow. Looks like the kids got his head screwed on straight. Yep. <laughs> David Poe from Knoxville, Tennessee. You know, the thing about this, own dude, I totally completely forgot that the red, rivers ran red or that the stream ran red for a moment. Mm. Now, that's some hardcore action. Now, that could be a little bit of foreshadowing but in the flipped. reverse. So, yeah. what do you call that? Juxtashadowing. Shadow foring? Juxtashadowing. And a tweet from Miss Lane. Miss Lane uh, gives her own to Shaggy Dog for, quote, attacking that shitty little fray brat. Oh, wow. Yeah. We got a little mention on Twitter just below uh, Miss Lane. From Amanda Mistro says, whoever into that last Game of Owns podcast with Go Hawks and singing Chelsea Daggers has just supplanted Sam as my favorite. Wow. Mm. Mm. That was actually split between Eric and I. No, so who I don't said know that? If- yeah, it was kind of a harmonious uh, yeah. thing, you know. Listen up, model. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Sam's getting angry. You might go on my shit list right underneath Eric. <laughs> and then you'd be underneath Eric, and that's just weird. Oh, God. Well, listen, save yourself from all of that, folks. You know where to send your owns. It's easy to do it. Yes. Just tweet us. It's as simple as sending a tweet. You don't even have to tweet 140 characters. It can be less than that, if you so wish. Yeah, but why would it? It's an own. Ah. 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 At Game of Owns on Twitter. Facebook.com slash Game of Owns. If you want to check out our Facebook wall, Sam is guarding the Facebook wall. Right now. You're damn right. It's his watch. <laughs> yeah. And um, also, we have an email address where you can send a more detailed own to us if you so desire. And that email address is contact at gameofowns.com. And uh, one other place you can head on over to and leave us your feedback on is iTunes. You can uh, write us a nice little review. You're not limited on characters as far as I know. So you can go above 140. So if you're feeling a little bit. Uh, Generous. Generous in your uh, ability to uh, give us feedback. We appreciate it. Nothing less than five stars is acceptable in the month of June, just like SPF 18 
So apparently we're getting rated by Sundan Lotion now. Stay safe. That is the best username ever. That is pretty good. Uh, who headlines her or his comment by saying, it is known. This podcast is Aka Amazing. Hmm. I think that's Valerian, guys. I believe it is. Yeah. That's very well done. And uh, one other review here from Shadow Stare with the title Goo Udnis. Clever. Right? Very clever. Ho Effendor. Translating to English now. I rarely rate podcasts, but Game of Owns is well worth the time it takes to write up a review. The cast is excellent. Sam is okay, too. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. Sam is getting shit on in this episode. <laughs> That's not even fair, guys. And provide a wonderful way to keep the Game of Thrones conversation going after the show's episodes have aired. This podcast is one of the best things going. Keep it gooey. We'll try to do that. That's on our list of things to do this week and next week as well. Indeed it is. And uh, we'll read some more of your reviews on uh, our next episode. Well, it's a special time for the show. You know what we're doing. We're only a few chapters in. And if you're just catching up with the program, being Game of Thrones, the name of the show that we're speaking on right now, it's a fun time. The book is happening and the book is great. This was a fun chapter and there's an even more fun chapter waiting for you on our next episode, which we have already read. And I can tell you that it's going to be fun. I know that there are owns in the can that a lot of you guys have sent ahead of time. And that's awesome because it makes all of this a little bit easier. As you know, our recording times sometimes get crazy bringing you three episodes a week. So go ahead and send your owns for our next chapter. The second time ever that we get to see Arya in this book. And we all know it will not be the last unless something really crazy happens. So yeah, send your owns ahead of time next week is approaching too so shoot those our way as well brand backwards is narb you heard it here folks brand backwards is narbs hopefully the violins will make your day and the rest of your evening barring whichever time you're listening to this podcast a little bit smoother i'm zach louie i love these violins i'm eric skull and i used to play the violin on my katana <laughs> what <laughs> did you really i did i did